If you think about it, your commute to school has been free for over a year. If you count walking from your bed to your desk a commute, keep it going with free rides to real, actual campus aboard Long Beach Transit. Make the bus part of your routine. Visit RideLBT.com students for more info. You know, can a uh, gambling establishment sponsor a student athlete? You know, let's say um, it's uh, the Mirage Casino and Sportsbook and they want to sponsor the football player. Um, you know, it's concerning. You know, did the football player trip on the five-yard line or did they fall down? Welcome back to Beach Weekly, a podcast created and produced by Long Beach State student-run newspaper, The Daily 49er. My name is Leila Nunez, and I'll be your host for today. Keep listening for an interview with Executive Director of Athletics, Andy Fee, discussing the extension of the California Fair Pay-to-Play app to college athletes. But first, let's get right into this week's news roundup. Long Beach State women's volleyball played against San Diego State this past Tuesday. Long Beach swept the game after three consecutive sets, resulting in a 3-0 victory. Long Beach State women's soccer played against Montana in their home opener on Thursday night. Although the beach outshot the Grizzlies 26-4, the game resulted in a 1-0 loss. Friday night, Long Beach State men's water polo returned to the Ken Lindgren Aquatic Center to play against UCLA. After a close halftime score of 5-2, UCLA took the lead the rest of the game, resulting in a 9-6 victory for the Bruins. Moving on to news, student government's new president, Jesus Gonzalez, is ready to create change within the community this year. Student government also addresses concerns over lack of campus amenities and announces an increase in financial aid grants across various departments. Long Beach State kicks off Latinx Heritage Month with a celebration of culture and will continue to host community building workshops, entrepreneurship lessons, and more throughout the duration of Latinx Heritage Month. The Parkview Village Festival welcomed more than 50 local businesses this past week. The festival will take place every second Saturday of the month. Read more in the Arts and Life section on daily49er.com. Also, check out the latest episode of At the Beach, a series about campus fashion brought to you by Editor-in-Chief Ashley Ramos. This week, it smells like 90s fashion. Lastly, hundreds marched outside Long Beach City College in support of the recall of Governor Gavin Newsom. Watch the video created by Daily 49er video team to discover what happened after Joe Biden's visit to Long Beach. For the first time ever, college athletes are allowed to sign endorsement deals and earn compensation after the NCAA's recent change to their name, image, and likeness rules. Podcast editor Jeremy Taylor and sports editor Matthew Brown sit down with Andy Fee to discuss the impact this new change will have on athletes. And that's all for this week. Head on over to daily49er.com where you can read more campus and Long Beach related news, as well as check out multimedia content like this podcast. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at daily49er. Southland is bringing its credit union experience to the Long Beach State campus. As a student of Long Beach State, you are eligible to join with access to our new university student union branch, student loan services, free checking, and free financial educational resources. Visit BeachCU for more information. On September 1st, through the urgency statute, Governor Gavin Newsom signed into act the Fair Pay to Play Act. This grants college athletes in California the right to hire agents and be paid for endorsements. As a result, college athletes will for the first time be allowed to financially benefit from their name, image, and likeness to promote products and companies. I sat down with Cal State Long Beach Athletic Director Andy Fee to see how this new law will impact 
the university, and its athletes. But, you know, I think in the grand scheme, for me, I, I support the changes. Uh, you know, there's always concerns, but, you know, the one constant in life is change. And I think um, so much has changed within college athletics, it's difficult to just say, well, we're going to do the same as we did 100 years ago. So the law moved up. Um, we had to pre create an interim policy to provide direction for student athletes. We pretty much mirrored what the state law would be in terms of what you know they could and couldn't do. We we were very, I would say, permissive in terms of wanting and, and hoping to to help student athletes, um, you know, cash in on their name, image, and likeness. Okay. What about the lack of regulation or a clearinghouse in regards to monitoring these endorsements? So that's the concerning part. And um, I think prior to the, the law going into effect, it was very wide in terms of that there wasn't really a guardrail, meaning, you know, can a uh, gambling establishment sponsor a student athlete? You know, let's say um, it's... Uh, the Mirage Casino and Sportsbook, and they want to sponsor the football player. Uh, you know, it's concerning. You know, did the football player trip on the five-yard line or did they fall down because their employer had money going one way or the other? So the gambling aspect is concerning to me. Um, I know each state is addressing it differently. Um, you know, there's reputational things. Do we want student-athletes endorsing marijuana? You know, that's... Um, certainly, it's a legal uh, thing here in California, but the NCAA, it is an illegal substance. So do we want an athlete endorsing something that is permissible in the state of California, yet at the NCAA level, which we compete, is impermissible? So I think working through the student-athletes is really the biggest piece of this, is educating them. So educating them on their brand. You know, how do we help the student-athletes increase their brand reputation uh, because that's the, the biggest way that they're going to monetize it is by a great reputation. So they need to be very involved in their own management of that. So educating them on that, educating them on the rules. Uh, for example, um, let's say I got a $10,000 deal from the local Toyota dealership. Well, if I'm on aid or if I'm on a Pell Grant, that could impact my Pell Grant. Mm. So you could just be exchanging dollars at that point. You could get 10000 from the Toyota dealership, but then lose $10,000 in Pell, Cal Grant, or something like that. Paying the taxes on earned income, that's a different piece too. So really, it's trying to educate the student-athletes that they make good choices because um, you hope that people don't prey on these athletes and, and take advantage of them and they're younger and they may not be familiar with, uh, with how the law system works in, in terms of contracts because we, we don't get involved in the negotiation of any of these contracts. So we'll talk to the student athlete and uh, ultimately they need to share with us what they're doing, but you know we don't go to the table with them and say, oh no, you got to change this and do that. It's up to the student athlete to do that. So there's a lot of pressure on these athletes. Is there any, who is in charge of it? Or is there anybody other than maybe the head coach or yourself in charge of advising these students saying, hey, or at least sitting down and saying, you know, looking at the paperwork and making sure this kid isn't getting themselves into, you know, something that they're not ready to handle? So, you know, it's difficult for coaches because you don't want to be, um, 
you know, on the hook as official representation um, for a student athlete, I think what we're trying to do is educate them and, and help them maybe connect to people that will help them, that aren't going to take advantage of them and make introductions and say, you know, hey, here's someone you might want to talk to, you know, where it goes from there. Uh, but the way it works is a student athlete um, with an agent or a representative or on their own um, would come to us and say, hey, I've got a deal for company X. Uh, then we would have a conversation. They, they would need to supply us the agreement that they have. It goes to our compliance office. Um, and then the senior women's administrator, myself and our compliance director, we all look at it to ensure that it's, it fits the law and that all of the, those, those I's are dotted and T's are crossed. But it is, you know, you hope that, you know, is the student athlete signing something that is an in perpetuity? I mean, are they signing, you know, it's, and that's the delicate piece. We cannot advise them on tax information or financial aid, that's on them. Now we can educate them on those things, which is what our compliance office does. So we talk to the student athletes and say, hey, here are the things you need to probably consider. Mm -hmm. Now at the end of the day, the student athlete needs to ensure that they're doing that. But that's again, the big piece of the puzzle is educating them so that they make good choices that actually help them. When you say they're being educated, what kind of are is this like a group seminar is this uh based on team basis or as far as like the basketball players are are sat down with one day softball sat with another day can you tell me about a little bit of the education process from the university what they're doing to help the athletes yes yeah, so through the compliance office um our compliance director goes through the real the, the 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 nuts and bolts of what the law is and what it means then it's more of a case by case team by team um, we have some teams that, that have student athletes who are way more engaged in these things. So we've identified those teams um, and then also offer the opportunity for student athletes to raise their hand, so to speak, if they want some one-on-one -on -one counseling in terms of that. Um, but we have uh, brought in some folks to talk to student athletes um, from some of the teams. We're going to be working with the basketball teams to bring somebody in to talk to them as a group. Um, and there's no... Um, no arrangement between that person and the teams. It is literally someone from the industry that can just talk to them and help them. And then really it does come down to the, the raising of the hand. So the student athlete can always raise their hand and say, hey, I need some more help here. I need some, can you talk to me a little bit about what is it, you know, when you say taxes, what does that mean? What do I need to look out for? So we can educate them on that. So literally it's opening the conduit between student athletes and the campus, the athletic department, to provide resources to help them. Because this is, for a lot of them, waters they've never navigated before. Um, you for know, everybody across the board, I imagine, too. Correct, yeah, for, for all of us. And especially them, you know, they probably never thought, well, you know, now I'm going to have company X, you know. But, you know, hey, if, you know, you need to comply and post whatever number of social media posts or you need to make appearances or again this amount of income you need to probably find someone a tax attorney or somebody that can explain if it's you know a certain valuation on the agreement so there's a lot of nuance to all of this which probably things have hurried along very quickly and maybe in a more perfect world a slower approach i use the term slower but slower would have allowed everybody to maybe get up to speed more quickly because it depends. Some people may have access to big time agents who are gonna figure it all out for the student athlete. And then there's a student athlete who kind of maybe doesn't have a relationship or knows somebody who's an agent. And they're going, well, how, how do I sit down at a table and 
negotiate my value. So I think there's a lot of learning curve going on. How do you see it impacting the integrity of collegiate sports? I mean, obviously, the dark side is, you know, hey, why don't you miss a couple extra jump shots? You know, uh, you strike out a couple extra times this week um, and really compromising the spirit of athletic competition. What is it that you guys are trying to do to monitor that? So it's really, as always, um, looking at those relationships. Um, it is concerning because, you know, our boosters funneling money. So is it company X and a bunch of boosters get together and give company X some money and then company X hires, you know, 10 football players or whatever athletes to show up and are they really working? What are they doing or what are they being asked to do? Hey, the point spread's 10. Just want to let you guys know that. I mean, I, I want to believe that everything's on the up and up and we have great student athletes. So I'm not sitting here questioning it, but money can be a great thing and it can be a dangerous thing. And I don't want, or I would hope that people aren't put in a position that they feel that they might be compromised, asked to do anything that is wrong, whether it's, you know, something around gambling or just personal behaviors. Um, but it is concerning because, you know, we can monitor as much as we can, but because we're not involved in these arrangements, I wouldn't even know company X who's involved in it, or are they just funneling money through it there's really no work being done and it's just here's 50 grand to come play here so i think we're going to see where that goes now having said that i think it's probably at institutions with extremely high profile football programs and basketball programs that probably or might face these issues could it happen here yeah i guess it could but i don't know if we have athletes and maybe we will it'd be great whose valuations are going to be so high that might get into the realm of questionable actions or or anything like that is but there a cutoff date for when they can accept a, um, a sponsorship or uh, as far as it needs to be done as far as in-season athletes say you know is it supposed to be done before season can they do it in season the reason why i ask you this is to piggyback off that other question is because you said like bigger universities, like maybe a power five school may be more susceptible to wrongdoing due to gambling. But let's just say that Tommy Jones comes up to a basketball player and you guys are getting an at-large bid in the NCAA tournament. And he's like, hey, I really, you know, here's a sponsorship. I'll give you the sponsorship, you know, to do for you to do this. Like, is there is there a window with that or they can just accept sponsorships all year long? All year long, and the state law—it's very permissive. Um, and the author of the, of the authors of the bill have stated over and over. Um, Senator Skinner, the primary author of the bill, about wanting to empower athletes, and that sounds great to me. My 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 concerns aren't about restricting athletes; it's that we do it the right way. And instead of rushing, I think what I would have enjoyed personally was an opportunity to bring many people to the table to discuss these issues. Student athletes, for sure, they're the primary uh, you know, folks involved in this, but conference commissioners, presidents or chancellors, athletic directors, staff, I mean, some coaches, how does this all play out? Because there are really no restrictions. So you're right, yeah, if I know a team's going to the NCAA basketball tournament, well, hey, will you 
endorse company X and oh and by the way, you know, there's a couple games I got circled on there. And and weirder things have happened. And the sad part is on those kinds of things, it's not easy to find that out on the front end. It's usually the back end. You know, at the end of the day, as the old saying, people talk, right? So on the front end, someone may not know what's going on. And again, I hope right. and I believe that the majority of student athletes are going to do the right thing. But unfortunately, those things have happened around gambling in college athletics over the years. You go back 70 plus years and there were gambling uh, point shaving scandals across the country. Um, and I think without having thoughtful, as I call them, guardrails, it is concerning. Again, it might work out that there's no problems and no issues, but we could also find ourselves six months from now going, oh man, what, what did we do or what happened? I think on the front end, I'm anticipating that I think things will work out. I'm an optimist by nature, but I think there are issues that, I hate to say it, could spike up and be big stories and negative stories around what's happening. Well, it's funny that you mentioned issues. You know, unfortunately, sometimes money corrupts. If there was a case of wrongdoing, what has the the university done to ensure to protect themselves from potential sanctions? Well, that's where I think we're in this gray area. So let's say a student athlete threw a game or something like that. Uh, certainly, they're going to be responsible for that. But... Is the NCAA going to go, well, the institution, you didn't do a very good job of monitoring what was going on. So now we're going to put you as an institution two years banned from postseason play because you had a point-shaving scandal or you had wrongdoing, whatever that might be. So it is scary because you kind of go, well, how am I, what am I supposed to do? Right. <laughs> I, you know, I, I can't pry into this world because I've been told I can't do this and I can't do that. So... I kind of have to hope that they do the right things, but bad actors could cause penalties that go beyond just those actors themselves, which would be an institution or an athletic department. So, you know, I, I think it's a legitimate concern. What Are the odds of it happening great? Maybe not, but I certainly would not say it's impossible or improbable. Again, these things have happened over the years, unfortunately. Right. For those who don't know, uh, who's never been a scholarship athlete, can you talk about, as an incoming student athlete, what a full scholarship all entails for me? You know, what are the benefits? What do I receive as far as if I were to commit to Long Beach State? Yeah, so an in-state scholarship at Long Beach State is about $23,000, um, which includes, it covers basically all of your expenses, housing, books, your, your fees, tuition, everything, meal plan, everything that is considered full cost of attendance. Um, we can also give on top of that um, cost of attendance, which is a, a bylaw that was added in NCAA a few years ago, which here is an additional $3,100. That number is set by the university, not by the athletic department, but we can also offer that on top of a full scholarship. So does that probably cover maybe everybody's your expenses? Probably not, right? I mean, there's, there's you know, other ancillary um, expenditures that come up. But if you're on a full scholarship, you should be able to walk away with little to no debt. 
Now, the reality though is most student athletes are not on full scholarships. Um, here, uh, the NCAA has what's called headcount sports um, and equivalency sports. A headcount means you're either on a full ride or nothing. Equivalency means I can give you 75%, 100%, 25%. Most of our student athletes are in sports that are equivalency sports, meaning that coaches have to spread money out across an entire roster. So most, most student athletes are not on a full athletic ride. So this is where something like name image likeness could be a benefit. Do you, ha- do you have any athletes that are on full scholarships? So we do. So men's and women's basketball are on full scholarships. Those are headcount sports. Women's tennis and women's volleyball are the sports here that we sponsor that are headcount sports. So on those teams, you're on a full ride or nothing. You're either a walk-on, full scholarship. Um, the other 15 sports that we have, we have 19 overall, are all equivalency sports. Even baseball? Even baseball. So baseball, they're allowed to have, and the numbers to the average person will go, it doesn't even make sense. You get 11.7 scholarships. That's the maximum you can, you can use. So we give out 11.7, but it's split out amongst 35 players. Ah, okay. So you could have somebody, if you have somebody that's just an unbelievable athlete, you could put them on a full ride. But that only seat. leaves you with 10.7 left. Correct. Got it. Okay. So you have to really... You have to be really wise with your scholarship dollars. You have to really believe that this person is going to make a diff- difference in your program. Correct. So given that you are a D1 school, do you think this act will open the door to the, the beach getting some talent that, like upper echelon talent? You notice that, like, um, say in the softball tournament, a lot of California softball players go to out-of-state universities. Will this act help Long Beach be able to retain some of those upper echelon athletes and be able to keep them in-state here now? now that we have this act passed? Well, I think, I think so. I think living here in Southern California, in, in, in Long Beach, in LA County, in the greater LA metro area, is a really great draw. There's, this is the hub of sports and arts and music and industry. This is a great place to be. Now, it's a world that is you know on the internet and it doesn't mean you have to live in, in LA, but it's a great place to be, a great draw. There are companies based here close to campus that might want to have ties to our campus and see a student athlete as a great ambassador. So we'd like to think that if we can leverage our location, uh, the people that are affiliated with us, um, we'd like to think that we can hold talent here. It will be really interesting to see how this kind of plays out. Um, Will it not matter at all? Will you see athletes go to major metropolitan areas, New York, San Francisco, LA, Chicago, or will it kind of stay the same and, you know, the internet will, will, will run name, images, likeness, but we, we, we like to think that this is a great draw for Californians to stay here and reap the reward of living in a very dynamic environment. Do you see a change in the amount of scholarships you're going to be able to give now that this uh, act is a been uh, instituted? So it'll be interesting to see what the NCAA does. Um, Will they kind of say, well, this is the way to help students reduce debt, walk away? Or will the NCAA say, hey, this is a great opportunity to maybe look at, should we have 15 scholarships for baseball instead of 1.7? Should we have 14 for softball instead of 12? Whatever it might be. 
I don't know. I, I wouldn't necessarily hold my breath for that. So I always think of student athletes, you know, we want them to walk away from here with a great athletic experience and a great academic experience and the least amount of debt as possible. So that's why I, I'm torn a little bit because I want our student athletes to walk away with little to no debt, but I, want to, I don't also don't want them to be stuck. I signed a deal and I didn't realize what was going on and I just signed my likeness away for 10 years. Mm. <laughs> so I don't want someone to get the negative part of what this is because it is pushed through so quickly. But there's only so much you can do to keep that from happening. Correct. And we can, and that's why we want to keep educating and talking to them and making sure that they feel comfortable. Come to us. I mean, we may not be able to answer or tell you what to do, but perhaps we can help you guide you to where you need to go. Hey, you need to find someone that can help you specifically with this X, this topic versus them not coming to us and not talking to us. So it's a weird spot because we only have so much influence in this area because it is so permissive for the student athletes. There's, it's not like the student athletes have to come in and go, can I please you know, sign with company X? Um, you know, assuming that it's not a very bizarre situation, the answer is they don't have to ask permission. Um, as long as it complies with the state law, they can kind of do whatever. And it's a very permissive state law which might be a good thing, and it could be a really scary thing. And again, I want to be positive. I want to believe that this is going to be good. Right. I hope that it's good. But, you know, as you said, you know, money can corrupt. That makes things that maybe at a certain time might be an easy decision. Of course, I'm going to do the right thing. But suddenly, well, I got to pay my bills and... You know, maybe I have a, a family I need to take care of. My parents need help. You know, whatever it might be. And, well, what do I got to do? I don't want student-athletes put in a position where they have to sacrifice their ethics, morals um, for money. And um, I hope that we're not in that situation. Our student-athletes are in that situation. And, again, I think we just need to keep educating them. Bradley Vincent once said, money is a tool. Use properly, it makes something beautiful. Use wrong, it makes a mess. College sports heads into uncharted territory. The future is uncertain. It could be a beautiful thing or it could be a hot mess. My name is Jeremy Taylor, and for Layla Nunez, this has been Beach Weekly. We'll talk to you soon. 8 a.m. exam crams are what we do at the beach. So is riding the bus for free. Long Beach Transit is now offering free rides to campus, work, and home to start the semester. Save on parking and make the bus part of your routine. Visit RideLBT.com students for schedules and route information.